0: Hello guys and welcome to the GenoCast days. My name is Mariana and today we're gonna be talking about our third part of inheritance So for the ones that are studying for the IB exam, this part is only for high-level students So you don't have to worry if you don't know everything about it But I think it's anyway pretty interesting to know about so stick around and in this subtopic, we're going to cover the use of dihybrid di- di- punnet, punnet grids, um, which study one or more characteristics, the nature of gene linkage, uh, chi-square goodness, p- and polygenic traits. So without further ado, let's get started. First of all, what are punnet squares and dihybrid crosses? So, in order to test whether inheritance of a trait follows a particular pattern, it is necessary to use the Punnett squares, which we discussed in one of the last episodes. And monohybrid uh, Punnett squares only trace one characteristic, so one allele. Well, two alleles, one allele that the parent is gonna inherit, right? That the parent's gonna give to its offspring. So, if you are gonna make a um, dihybrid cross then that means that you're going to follow two characteristics. And sometimes these genes can be related or they might not. So, you know, their assortment could be, well, it's most of the time is going to be independent. So um, one of the most important scientists regarding this topic, uh, his surname is Morgan. And he used to work a lot with fruit flies because even though you don't believe it, their genetic material is pretty similar to ours, and so it's simple to study from them in order to know uh, how we're going to have you know, our outcomes. So it's actually a lot more related than pea plants. So yeah, I would rely more on the fruit flies. But anyway, in the case that you have a pure breeding um, first generation, you know, when they're only going to have either pure recessive alleles or dominant alleles, then, similar to the uh, monohybrid cross, you're going to get a heterozygous uh, F1 generation from the parental generation of homozygous. And so, giving the parental phenotypes, the possible alleles found in the egg are going to be shown along and outside of the grid. So, you know, in a, if you put them in a grid, uh, parents are going to be on the outside and the offspring are going to be on the inside. And in a dihybrid cross, Two traits are being examined, so you have to use two different letters for this. And the internal boxes are going to show the possible combinations of the fusion of these gametes. So in a hybrid cross, you're going to have two pairs of alleles. So that will be two copies of different letters. So in total, four copies. Well, four letters, actually. And if you wanted to calculate, which is going to be, for example, an F1 generation cross, um... So, for example, you're going to have one. this F1 generation, which is heterozygous, is going to have a capital Y and a lowercase y, as well as a capital R and a lowercase r. And so you need to calculate the probability of each combination. So in the horizontal part, you're going to put the four combinations, and in the vertical part, you're also going to put um, the possible combinations. So remember, column and line, in all of them, you have to put the combinations. And so with it, you're going to be able to calculate which are the chances that you get one allele or the other one. And in the case of a heterozygous, you're going to get a phenotype. So like um, physical characteristics, a ratio of 9 to 3 to 3 to 1. So that means that the most common type of, of phenotype is going to be the round yellow. If you were I don't know, working with peas, because yellow is dominant, and round is dominant as well, so it's going to be the most common. Then, So that's why you're going to have 9 out of 16 with this combination. And then you're also going to have 3 out of 16 that are going to be green and round. So they're going to have one recessive allele, which is the green color, and they're going to be round, which is a dominant color. So they might be heterocygoes for this trait, or they could be homocygoes for this trait. And you're also gonna have three in case you have rough uh peas, but they're gonna be yellow. So they're gonna be they're gonna have a recessive trait and they're also gonna have a dominant trait. And finally, you're only gonna get one P, one P out of 16 Ps, that is going to have both of the recessive characteristics. So a green color as well as a rough shape. So remember, in the case of a heterozygous cross, you're most likely gonna get a phenotype of nine to three to three to one ratio now it is also really important that you don't just learn this by memory because well at least to me in one of the tests um they put a different combination and so it was a little bit more complicated to get it out because it was a homozygous curls with a heterozygous but if you understand the basic principles it shouldn't be that hard to make so just to clarify and not to be lost, um, I'm going to read to you like the few rules to keep in mind when making a hybrid Punnett square. So the top and left sides of the Punnett square show each possible haploid gamut, which each contain one copy of gene in question and therefore one each letter. Now, each box in the Punnett square represents a possible genotype in the diploid offspring. Therefore, each box should have two copies of each gene. So remember, two letters. And now, pundit squares are not always square. Do not use 16 boxes unless they are required because it will take unnecessary time. And you can do this, uh, for example, with calculating probabilities. I personally do like to use boxes because I don't get lost, but it's because I'm a very visual person as well. But if you're good with numbers and you don't struggle with them, I recommend you to use fractions instead and Punnett squares are one tool for finding genotypic and phenotypic ratios, but other methods can be used, such as multiplying probabilities, which is the main, like, a much easier way to find out how a uh, gene is going to work, right? And now, when Mendel performed these type of crosses, he carefully recorded his results, and so what he did was to put, instead of a uh, A square. He put them. He put the phenotypes and genotypes in a list, and so it was much easier to quantify everything. However, I believe that you know visual ways are the simplest way to go. Right. And now, one really important tip as well is to use these probabilities. So, and to you know add the different chances um, separately. So, like, to calculate which are the chances of any exactly, like, one event happening separately, depending on each gene. So, for example, if they, once they ask you, like, what is the chance of a P offspring being round and green if the parents have the genotype capital R, lowercase r, and capital Y and lowercase y, as well as two capital Rs and two lowercase ys. So... It's a different type of genotype from one of the parents. You're going to have a complete heterozygos and a complete homozygose. So because of this, it would be more recommendable to first calculate the chances of one gene happening, like one specific allele happening, and then multiplying it by the chances of the other allele happening, you know, doing it by separately. That's in case you want to use fractions. But if not, stick to the boxes. And now we are going to be discussing linked genes. So, genes found on different chromosomes are going to show independent assortment, so that means that there's not going to be a physical link between them, and therefore, um, an offspring might inherit them together, or it might not. So, there's not really a pattern to follow, right? However, the genes that are found on the same chromosome are considered linked genes, and they're literally connected because they occur on the same DNA molecule, but many of these linked genes... um, they might even get separated as well because of the genetic crossover. So there's there's not really a way to know if you're going to get genes inherited together or not. And however, probabilities uh, are going to increase if they're in the same chromosome. And the more close they are together, well, the most the more likely that they're going to be inherited together. And also, you have to remember that because of this chromosomal uh, change... Uh, Well, crossover, they're going to be around four to five chiasmata points where uh, DNA is going to be exchanged. But aside from that, let's say that you inherit, I don't know, a chromosome from your father, which already has some of the genes from your mother. But most of the genes, you're going to get them from your father, not from your mother. So some of these might be inherited together because in the end you're talking about a chromosome, which is from your father. So it's just another one example, you know, but it could also happen with your mother. And so that's why genes are sometimes going to be linked. And now, by definitions, these type of genes are found on the same chromosome. The closer the loci of two linked genes, the less frequently they are separated by crossing over. And several genes, which could be two or more, on the same chromosomes that do not show independent assortment are called linkage group. So... Sometimes these characteristics are going to be inherited together, and so scientists in the past used to think that there was another type of relationship, but now we have found out that it is because there are genes that are really close by, and it's not that um, they are inherited together by rule, it's more that it's more likely that this happens. And something really interesting about these links as well, well, about these genes as well, is that they might sometimes be related to the sex. So we discussed this on one of the other episodes, but there is a special case for the experiments of the scientist Morgan that he used with fruit flies. So most of the time, um, fruit flies are going to have red eyes because that's the dominant allele. And he found out that this uh, gene that coded for the color of the eye color was found in the sex chromosomes. So, a female that had two red alleles, um, she was gonna have it on the X chromosome, she was gonna pass it down to all of her children. But if there was a male that had both of the white alleles for the white color of eyes, then he would be able to pass it down to his only son because the son only had one X chromosome. But like, imagine, if every female is going to have two X chromosomes and red is dominant, then the fact that you inherit one X chromosome already makes you to have these red eyes, right? But in the case of the male, he's only going to have one X chromosome. So there are 50% chances that he gets either a red color from the mother or either a white color from the father. And so this is how Morgan found out um, how genes could sometimes be linked to sex or that they could be very closely related because of how close they are ones to each other. And now let's discuss recombinants involving linked genes. So genes, uh, which we just mentioned, that are together because they're on the same chromosomes, they can also be written with notation. So you're normally going to have, for example, the letter of one gene next to the letter of another gene, and you're going to have the capital letters above, and then you're going to draw like two horizontal lines, and then underneath that you're going to put the lowercase letters. And so this uh, represents a type of genes, well, sometimes of genes that are linked. And, you know, the above part represents dominant, and then below, that represents recessive. So the format for linked genes um, expect, are expected to be understood in examination papers, and you might have to be able to draw this. So it's pretty simple, actually, but it's a term that many people don't know. However, there are multiple possibilities for these type of problems. So this little image is going to be called a linkage problem and it can be changed. For example, you might have a capital letter and a lowercase letter and then you're going to draw the two lines and you're going to get a capital letter and a, a lowercase letter, right? And so the crossing over is random and it can occur multiple times between size, so alleles can be separated and then rejoined. And also remember that linked genes are going to show independent assortment if the distance between them is great. So two alleles are going to be inherited more than half of the times, and it is always connected by the parental chromosomes. So that's a little summary of what we just mentioned. And the easiest way to know about these traits is by actually testing them on different generations. So, for example, Morgan had some experiments on the fruit flies where he was testing eye color as well as body shape. So he experimented with some flies that had red eyes as well as body wings and he also investigated with some black flies that had vestigial wings. So these type of genes were not supposed to be inherited together because, you know, the law of independent assortment. But when he crossed them, he found out that they were actually related, these genes. So they were not followed the normal, um, you know, independent assortment principle. And so, by definition, we also have that recombinant is an organism that contains a different combination of alleles to either of its parents. So, guys, I hope you have liked this episode. Tomorrow's episode is going to be really short because we are finally going to finish the topic of inheritance. And we are going to be discussing the chi-square test as well as possible variations from genetics, um, you know, genetic crosses. So, thank you very much for sticking around, guys, and see you next time. Bye, guys.